0: The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary, even in hell. Me back. It's alive, it's alive, it's alive.
1: They all not down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Why?
0: You're doomed. You're doomed our show tonight, Howling
1: Under the Full Moon, we will explore Charles Band's Empire Full Moon Entertainment. We've got trancers, sci-fi epics, and vampires all in one place. When you need a break from reality, let our host show you through the madhouse of killer bombs, psychopathic cookies, and maniacal puppets. Don't be a squid, and join us in the fun.
0: Thank you for accepting my offer. I just want you to relax, okay? I'm just going to put some drops in one of your eyes.
1: experiment gone wrong has opened a gateway.
0: Something happened in that lab, okay? Eight Dimension actually exists. And brought us a visitor. Something came through.
1: So you're telling me the bad kid punched a hole through our reality with his eye? to his eye.
0: <laughs> now, seven people are the only ones who can stop an invasion of Earth from within. Yeah, there's no bonus coming the invasion seat. These guys want to move in. He sure likes our Earth women. You know just where to touch me. This movie's getting really good. <laughs> Friend's brain has been sucked dry.
1: And I say we set a trap. Your lights, hit it with your lights. The killer eye. Alrighty, folks. Welcome once again to Howling at the Full Moon here at Cinema Degeneration. We have a bit of 90s goodness for you this evening. We're going to be reviewing and dissecting in part Killer Eye from 1999. And joining me as usual is my faithful co-host and cohort in crime, Dustin Hubbard. How are we doing?
0: I am doing fantastic. Thank you having
1: me yeah thanks as always for being here it's always fun times we haven't done this in a while we had the the vincent price appreciation month was uh kind of took over everything that we were doing for a good 30 days but we're back at doing uh, our regular thing here bringing you some howling at the full moon
0: uh, Vincent and, demands that so it's okay
1: yeah when you're doing a whole uh you know an, an appreciation month uh, for For somebody like Vincent Price, it deserves and commands your every bit of attention. But we're done with that. Just released the last one a couple of days ago. So we're back to recording and back to what we love to do around here, which is full moon stuff. And this is one that I hadn't seen. You know, There's still a lot of Full Moon stuff that I haven't seen. I feel like I've seen about a good half of it, but I'm trying to chisel away and not just do the quote-unquote classics that we all know and love like Trancers and Puppet Master, which you know obviously deserve our time and attention, but we also got to do some of the, the other movies that we haven't seen or at least that I haven't seen because I'm sure there's probably not a single Full Moon movie out that you, you have not seen. But uh, for me, this is one that I'd always seen around and actually – I found out about its existence once when I was looking for a full moon t-shirt and I was trying to find one of my size. And I went to look on eBay and saw something for the killer eye where they were auctioning off the killer <laughs> eye prop. Yeah, the actual prop. Yep. And I can't remember what it, it went for a couple of thousand dollars, but I was just like, oh, if I only had a the funds and b the space for something like that, I didn't even know what the movie was at the time yeah, I was just like, I kind of want an eight foot tall killer eye prop in my house,
0: yeah, I feel like that prop ended up going for upwards of the, maybe just maybe like south of almost ten k. So, plus, I mean, imagine what the shipping cost on that probably was because that's a massive prop. So I
1: thing's at least eight to ten foot tall slash feet feet long, tall. I mean, it's 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 huge. and the the the, the eye itself. Not to mention that you know the big optic nerve and tentacle that comes off of it, it the, the eye itself is a good three to four feet big around. It's huge.
0: Yeah, it's massive. So I'm sure, I'm I hope that it is still in good condition and probably the the crown jewel one some some collector's <laughs> collection of weird uh, film prop oddities. Because I tell you what, I would cut a bitch down on that because that's that's a pretty incredible prop. So
1: yeah. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like this is one of my favorite full moon movies, but it's not one of my least favorite. But I'm just going to say this, like I, I I, I, like you said, I, I would cut a bitch to, to, to own something like that. I'm sure my wife would probably cut me just to keep it out of the house <laughs> because you'd probably be like, where in the hell are we going to put it?
0: Yeah, you need an entire room to uh, display it. So. <laughs> yeah. And we
1: might we might have a, a big house, but man, there there's. Very little room for something like that here, but anyway, anyway. But that was my introduction to uh, the Killer Eye, and it just want, its just one of those movies. You know how it is. It, uh, you know, you, you think you're going to watch it, you have it in your mind to watch it, and then 22 years go by, and you realize you haven't. So I had to had to pick this one as a as our next little ditty to to review. But uh, let me go ahead and go right on into the IMDB synopsis, and we can start tearing into this sucker. All right, Killer Eye from 1999 is as follows. A mad scientist experiment goes awry, turning a dead homeless man's eyeball into a giant killing machine that has an insatiable appetite for young women. And that is pretty much the the gist of the plot. Uh, wouldn't you agree that that's pretty much uh, as as much uh, as plot there is in this threadbare kind of movie?
0: For the most part, yeah, that that pretty much sums it up. It's like there is a plot, but it's very basic. <laughs> this is yeah, it's it's
1: very thin. It's very thin. You know, while uh, I mean, I'm sure my rating on this will come as a surprise to you, but uh, you know, I was I was entertained, but it was not what I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting from the trailer, but uh, this is not what, what I ended up getting was not what, what uh, I expected.
0: Yeah. I'm sure this movie was not what a lot of people probably expected, but uh, if you're familiar with David Dakota's work, I'm sure that it wasn't a surprise, but I think to the average, probably movie renter that saw that incredible box art, uh, which is, which is, fairly borrowed uh from an old wizard release called headless eyes uh that that box art sells it so oh yeah i would want to watch it just based on that box art you know i i i, I wanted to watch
1: it based on the box art and i love the fact that the, the tagline on it says terror vision and <laughs> you know wink wink nod nod you gotta <laughs> go with terror vision but uh this was you said you had told me off the air here a few days ago that this was the first release for Full Moon's uh, Pulp Fantasy Productions label,
0: was it not? I believe so. Yes, Pulp Fantasy only ever produced two films. They did this, and they did Head of the Family, uh, which I think people look back historically at Head as a Full Moon movie, but it's it's a Pulp Fantasy film uh, directed by. Uh, robert talbot who i believe uh, also appears in the credits for killer eye as the executive producer and if you're if you're a keen viewer or know a lot about full moon you'll know that robert talbot is actually charles ben's it's one of his pseudonyms so it's, it's
1: his drag name uh maybe so to speak <laughs> so to speak
0: that's like Cabot is to David Dakota, maybe Robert Talbot is <laughs> to Charlie Band, but uh, he, yeah, he didn't even have his his real name on these films originally. So, uh, but they were they were meant to be more comic booky, very you know, obviously based on the the, the company name, very pulpy throwback, yeah. kind of like fantasy comedy things, you know, that have kind of a, maybe maybe a little bit of a sexy vibe to them, but have keep that very pulp fantasy probably like you know ec comics kind of vibe it's minus yeah. the uh, dark twists and things like that just have them be more playful and you know fun it's like, like that. a it's like a slightly
1: more or a very much more uh, sexy version of like the tales from the crypt episode you know like ec comics style creep show style That's but not- uh, this would be directed by david dakota aka richard chasen and one of his many uh, pseudonyms go you know, for a man that has directed uh, over 170 projects.
0: You know, Richard Chasen, Get it? Get
1: it? Yeah, I, I didn't get it until you spelt that out for me off the air earlier, which I kind of am disappointed in myself for not getting that. But Don't now like that he's Dick
0: Chasen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, and there's a lot of Dick chasing in this movie.
0: Uh, there is actually there is, and it's very not ashamed of it you know no no for that it's very uh there (laughs) yeah Jacqueline Lavelle
1: the lovely Jacqueline Lavelle from Famalian um Hideous which we reviewed here which I loved her in in Hideous she was so good uh like that was her pinnacle role as Sheila's Lorca's uh you know assistant that was a great great role but she was in Exotic House of Wax Head of the Family Famalian amongst many many others uh, she's married to quite a shady doctor. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how else to describe uh, Jonathan Norman as Dr. Jordan Grady. He's, uh, I don't know if that's his real accent, but I'm willing to bet dimes against dollars that it is not because it's a horrible accent. Uh, but he is, he's dressed like a dime store version of uh, Herbert West. You know, it's, it's like somebody told them like, listen, we need you to dress up as Herbert West, kind of like the the street kid that we mentioned. You know, we were talking about off the air. Like, I just wanted a, a cosplay version, like a Dollar Tree Party City equivalent of these
0: characters. You just throw on a lab coat over a, a nice button up with a collar, and you're you're a scientist. Yeah, and you add gla- glasses and glasses into the mix. You're boom, you're in dude if anyone would know i do i have my own lab coat and i've <laughs> i've worked the shit out of that as scientists in movies so it,
1: it, that's it, right you made a living off of, off of playing those kind of roles here lately
0: the <laughs> lab coat is is a it's almost like having an additional superpower it's like oh you need me to do this i got a lab coat <laughs> so, <laughs> scientist So and and having the glasses and like my uh, Republican comb over really helped too. So gives off a very vibe. So
1: you see the outfit. The outfit's on. You know, is all you got to do is throw on that lab coat, and you're fucking already halfway there.
0: But but obviously this guy doesn't have the the comb over or the glasses per se. He has that nice like curly, greasy hair that you know you mentioned before. That's very akin to like a late '90s. You know.
1: Like, yeah, like, uh, Justin Timberlake or Matthew McConaughey had a, had an ugly baby. Yeah. yeah. It's just, <laughs> but this doctor, he's awfully shady. He hires what is supposed to be a male, like street kid, street urchin, male prostitute to come in and do some experiments for a few bucks to put some eye drops in his eyes so that he can perceive and possibly look into the eighth dimension. And I had a question like, why is it the eighth dimension? I don't know. I don't know that they ever really truly answer that question in this movie, but that's what he's there to do. He's there to perceive and look into the eighth dimension. I, I, okay. I'm willing, I'm willing to, you know, throw uh, caution to the wind and, and, and take them at their word that this is the eighth dimension, but you know, okay. But why eighth? I don't know. But the, uh, I love when, when the wife shows up, when Jacqueline shows up as Rita Grady, and she just says to him, I hope you don't blind him like the last one. And it, the, <laughs> the guy kind of looks like Ruh-Roh.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, uh, what last one? What, uh, now, I think it's funny, that the juxtaposition of the, t- the scene that happens next when the test subject, which is just known as the street kid, uh, is having some issues you know with the eye drops because you know the doctor tells him hey you know it'll start getting warm it'll start tingling as soon as you do get up and look through this uh basic kind of telescope and tell me what you see well
0: i have i have a tingling in my thigh yeah
1: when he's when he sees uh when he sees rita he definitely gets a tingling in the thigh
0: and i think as i think most men in this movie do definitely
1: but uh you know the, the test subject is having some issues starts getting the tingling going on his eye while uh rita and, and dr grady are kind of in the next room arguing having marital issues and uh he starts having a, his eyeball starts coming out of his head and starts growing it was that kind of really neat shot that dakota got when you know you just see the the silhouette of the eyeball coming out of his head and growing bigger and growing bigger, I kind of wonder if they just used a balloon, <laughs> you know, and blew it up to to, to show t- the eyeball getting bigger.
0: There's like that weird shadow off to the side that almost looks like there's something holding it in place, too. I've yes, yes, to <laughs> <laughs> but it works. Uh, it works. I mean, it, it's a more it's a more artistic kind of creative way than trying to you know, crudely show what, what would probably end up being a shitty effect. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is, but it, it, it's a neat shot. I like it. It's very artistic. Very cool. Uh, when the eyeball comes out, it's just automatically, you know, a three to four foot wide eyeball with an eight foot optic nerve tentacles coming out of, out of it. But it this I made the noi- note where the first thing it does is eyeball. Ha ha. Wink, wink. It starts to eyeball the reproductive charts, where it kind of looks over the male reproductive <laughs> organs and the female reproductive organs. It's, it's 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 funny. It's this movie is not to be taken seriously. It's 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 definitely there for the laughs, as far as I'm concerned. But man, I, but poor Rita, poor Rita. I, I feel sorry for her more than anybody in this movie. Uh, Jacqueline Lavelle is Rita. Just she just wants some lovin'. She just wants somebody to pay attention to her, and as as much as the the Jane character does, the, the women are just left wanting some attention and some love because she is uh you know Rita is you know the uh, what's it they call it what is it that Grady uh, call calls her the the not the trust fund wife but what the hell uh, I'm trying to remember now. Uh, uh,
0: Grady doesn't call. But some, I believe some other character does refer to her as, as the, a trust fund wife or something yeah, like that.
1: Something to that effect. But basically she's, you know, paying for all his uh, experiments and paying for Dr. Doctor Dr. Grady's, you know, experiments that he's trying to do with eyes. And, you know, but apparently she's
0: she... her mommy.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. She just wants <laughs> some, uh, you know, some love. And so he sends her, why don't you go hang out with the neighbor boys? And he's like, that always seems to cool you down. And I'm like, um, and it's very, very, uh, apparent right off the bat, like why these guys are, uh, why they always seem to cool her down because they're two kind of stoner dudes. And one of them would be, uh, well, they're Joe and Tom and Tom's played by David Erin er Ward who we just uh, saw in witch house who unfortunately was murdered with within months after this movie came out unfortunately he was stabbed to death but he, he is uh he's a fun character T- tom and joe are fun characters that when the, the banter they have when they have that dinner plate full of a multitude of the rainbow of pills it's
0: like oh which one is this which one is that but yeah yeah
1: it's just bad timing, Doc. Bad timing altogether. It's like,
0: when it's like even I love when...
1: Uh,
0: a lot out of them, so...
1: What's that? You cut out for a second. Sorry.
0: Even when she goes over there, she doesn't really get a whole lot out of them before they're basically both spent.
1: Yeah, they, they kind of make out and kind of rub all over each other and then they're just like, yeah, I'm done. I'm tired. And she, poor Rita just doesn't get the finish. They They kind of get theirs, but she doesn't get hers, which is pretty unfortunate
0: <laughs> kind of what the like you know in some of the beach babes movies and stuff he would say he basically shoots what he would call like g-rated erotica which is just like you know sexy people dancing around or writhing around kind of thing but no actual like anything adult oriented it's basically almost one step above that on the ladder of content because it's it, they're just basically writhing around and like dry humping to a degree and there's like no nudity whatsoever even when they're like having like there's nudity in the movie but not when she's like making out with that guy like it's just dry and kissing
1: (laughs) yeah they're just kind of nuzzling and and necking you know there's nothing really going on they don't get nude until the killer eye comes into contact with them
0: just like making out with her belly. And it, it kind of looks like I had never noticed, but it kind of looks like in the wide shot, like he probably is naked. Because it kind of looks like you can see his ass at the back. But there's no there's no uh, revealing shots of anything. Everything's very just like controlled and g rated feeling in the quote unquote like erotic scenes. And then yeah,
1: it's g rated it's 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 PG rated softcore. At least yeah. for the, for those scenes. Except for when the killer eye comes up with his tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> and and then we get uh uh his assistant, uh, Dr. Grady's assistant, Morton. And <laughs> he, he just is another guy with a wife uh, uh played by <laughs> what he looks like a Morton,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, he does, yeah, he all yeah, he looks like a Morton. <laughs> I love when he's trying to get out with with his wife. They all live in the same building. He's trying to get
1: out with his wife and go out to dinner, and the doctor just shows up and you know unannounced and says, "Oh, I'll take you. It'll just be in minute." And the wife Jane, she knows better. She knows better. But I love like when they get up and and he uh, tries to tell the the Morton fella that oh, this is just a cadaver that I quote unquote borrowed from the hospital. And he's like, you borrowed him fully clothed? And it's like, well, I didn't want, uh, you know, anybody to find him here naked, you know, or anything. Because a naked <laughs> cadaver would be, you know, that would just be silly. Here. <laughs> yeah. And, well, it's the funny thing is because, what, what about two minutes later, uh, Dr. Grady fully confesses, you know, to what really happened. So why did he even go with the bullshit story that it was a cadaver when he said, oh, this was just, you know, test subject number 87. I didn't get that
0: part at all. Yeah, and this is just realized it was way too obvious and was pointless to lie about it. Because probably uh, one of the smartest, like most level headed people in the in the building is probably Morton, as far as like having common sense.
1: Yeah, common sense is, is not uh rampant in this movie, but if anybody has any common sense, it's definitely Morton. He's the only one that seems to have uh you know, a a brain in his head. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, the next note I had here is the doc treats Morgan, not Morgan Morton, and and, and basically everybody else like shit. He, he he is very much like a Herbert West kind of character. He feels he's better than everybody else. Yep. He feels he's smarter. He's you know he's treating it as if he's the smartest person in the room and
0: really very, very arrogant. Yeah, very arrogant. But it works with the character uh, and entitled but, acting too, which is funny, especially when none of it is his money.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding. Like uh, he, he acts like he's God's gift to everything, and it's not his money, it's not his place. It's not, you know he he's kind of been given everything. He's he's a, basically he's a trust fund baby. Yep. But uh, I do like, however, I do like the killer eye point of view shots. It's kind of like almost like a a weird more like a slightly more organic matrix style vision, mm. and that killer eye is huge. Like I want to know is how this thing sneaks up on anybody. you know, a four foot wide eyeball with an eight foot tentacle come, coming out of it. How does it sneak up behind people like it does?
0: And it sneaks up a lot and it 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 spies a lot without being seen. so which is yeah, yeah. Like For long long like, shots, like electric zapping in its eyeball stuff too. and it's just like, I don't know. I guess it. maybe it's just a testament to how dumb some of the people are that live in this building, too.
1: Yeah, that might be. I think it's basically that that killer eyeball is basically a peeping Tom. That's what he is. Or oh, what totally. it is. But, uh, I, you know, there's are some aspects of this movie I do like. I do love some of the, the, the forced perspective angles with the eyeball. I do like some of the, uh, the creepy red, blue, and green lighting that seem to – be ripped right you know the the red and green lighting seem to be ripped straight from nightmare and elm street but that's where the similarities end Mm -hmm. and it's funny when rita falls asleep with uh tom and joe (laughs) and the eyeball is kind of making out with rita tentacle style because basically this movie folks is live action hentai porn it's just minus all the uh the x-rated stuff there's very it's about as PG-13 R-rated as you can get, but poor Rita, you know, she basically after just nuzzling with these guys, they both fall asleep on her and like, I'm, I am just have to say at least the eye is making Rita smile with some tentacle action, it seems like because her husband can't make her smile and these two guys obviously didn't make her, uh, you know, feel anything. <laughs> so at yeah, least the killer eye is good for that, am I right?
0: Yeah, it's weird because it's like if you if you think about it, like in I mean how hashtag two era too. Like it's almost like you could call this movie like the rapist eye too, because the eye literally has its way with like eh, three or like three, four or five people in this movie. It doesn't ask for permission or anything. It just sort of sneaks in and starts <laughs> having its way with people and uh you know, gets gets what it wants and then runs. Yeah, which is kind of a fun thing out loud. <laughs>
1: yeah, it gets out Yeah, yeah. That an eyeball can run. Well, I guess a title like the Raping Eye would not uh, sold very well. That's why I have the the a line here. I'm like, <laughs> you know, for a killer eye, it saves all the killing for the last twelve minutes of the movie.
0: Yes, there's it's yeah. There's a lot of uh, restrained killer part in the plot. <laughs> Because this movie is basically like, uh, it's, I'll say it's seven people in a house with a killer eye. Where seven people in a house with a horny eye, basically, because the killer eye aspect is kind of a secondary thing that sort of happens in more so the last act. It just kind of wanders around, biddling people and like getting off on them getting off, I guess. Which is funny too, because when you see it in the in, in some of those shots, like when it's first diddling Rita in the bed when she's with the two guys, like how does it stand? Because you'll notice it's like it's it's shaped like a C, like the letter C. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like it's almost like its upper tendon body and the eye itself are just sort of levitating. Well, well, it's from it's
1: from the eighth dimension. How do we know it doesn't have uh, levitating that's capabilities?
0: That's true. So it maybe that's uh, maybe
1: that's why nobody can hear it coming. Uh, yeah. Wink, wink. Hear maybe. it coming.
0: You now, that's that's you're getting into as as you like to call the that Sharknado science stuff. You know, maybe <laughs> those are that are brought from the eighth dimension with it. Totally. So, if you want to, because yes, we can actually sit here and overly get technical about aspects of the plot yeah. called the killer eye. So,
1: yeah, well, they're talking about uh, dimensional and uh, psychotronics and all the different war- big words that I don't know and don't understand. I uh, like uh, it's it's sciency science. It's Sharknado science, you know. It, it doesn't have any basis in any real world kind of science, but it's filled with a, a lot of big impressive words that makes you believe that they believe it's real science
0: like point being like he's just trying to dr grady is trying to give use test subjects with these eye drops which it makes me wonder what are what is that compound that he's putting in their eye putting them in people's eyes so that they can see into the eighth dimension but instead of them being able to look in with the street kid, basically the window opened the wrong way and a creature from the eighth dimension came out through his eyeball and assumed its identity. It's almost like New Nightmare. <laughs> there was a demon that lived in the film series that took on the, the image of it. It lived in the Freddy Krueger character and then when it <laughs> film into reality, it came out as Freddy Krueger. <laughs> so. I think yes, you nailed
1: just, it. That's the uh, science behind everything.
0: And, it, and it, it brought with it aspects from humanity because it came out of a, a human body. And I, I'll touch on the weird thing too, because this thing, not only it will diddle Rita and it will eventually diddle Jane, as well, uh, Morton's wife, and there's the one scene where it's diddling Rita or not Rita uh, Jane, and her husband is there, and it's like subconsciously seducing him too. Yeah, you know, because like up and like feeling himself up, and he's like rubbing his abs and his pecs and stuff, because it's like getting him off too somehow. But it's not like tentacle fucking him like it is the girls and i thought to myself what came through the street kid's body who looked like he he went to spirits halloween and got like the street kid outfit because he just looks <laughs> like he looks like some street corner like skate punk is basically how he's dressed he,
1: he looks like and, an extra from a tony hawk pro skater video
0: yeah he looks like honestly he looks like he walked out of like a larry clark film yes that makes sense, yeah yeah totally <laughs> And uh, he just left his skateboard outside in the hallway. <laughs> and uh, it, it came out through him. So in my mind, I was like, okay, maybe when it came out of him, because Dr. Grady hired him and he was a male prostitute. Obviously, male prostitutes, the majority of people, unless they are a professional escort, which is considered quote unquote classier, uh, a street hustler is going to mainly most of the time get hired by other men. So this kid, you can assume, has probably fucked a lot of men. But he's so clearly probably straight. Probably safe to assume that. But he's clearly straight, because, I mean, he sees Jacqueline Lavelle, and I mean it, come on, it's Jacqueline Lavelle.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's when he says, uh, you know,
0: Yeah, there's no I denying. feel tingling in my thighs. No denying Jacqueline Lavelle was, is, and will always be smoking hot. Like, she is gorgeous. So clearly he's straight, but he's had a lot of male on male sex. So I'm thinking like, well, maybe that's what gave the eye. <laughs> it's kind of because it, he, Dr. Grady says some mumbo-jumbo bullshit about how, like, the movie science, how it took shit from the street kid's brain to survive off of, you know?
1: Right, right. I remember that. The shark native so science, may- yeah.
0: So maybe it took parts of that where the street kid had fucked other men and stuff, so it it saw sexual uh, attraction in men as well. And maybe that's why it was having its like um, mental seduction on Morton while it was basically raping Morton's wife as well, if that makes sense. Am I making that make much sense? <laughs> I think you're trying to ha-
1: t- take something that makes no sense and makes sense out of it. But I understand what you're saying. I, I think the theory behind it makes sense. But I, I don't know if that's it or not but you know
0: i, I can, can see this I, both, I can say that i'm sure the three count them three credited screenwriters on this movie probably didn't put that much sense into the <laughs> thought process of what was happening in this movie than what i just did there
1: so that blows my mind that there was three screenwriters for this movie i'm surprised it took three people to write it i yeah.
0: So your regular screenwriter of the era, Benjamin Carr, aka Neil Marshall Stevens, who would later direct stitches for Full Moon, Matthew Jason Walsh, who had written has written like truckloads of films for Dakota, and Rolf Konefsky.
1: So yeah, I mean, Neil Marshall Stevens has done dozens of movies for Full Moon. I mean, dozens. Oh.
0: There was a period, you know, like I, I use the phrase a lot where this, this came out during the quote-unquote everything was directed by David Carter era. There was a period where almost everything was written by Benjamin Carr as well through this this entire period. Most of these movies of this era were written by by him.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine putting out the. He was writing like Dean Dean R. He was just putting stuff out every other day. I can't imagine the amount of material that, if you really were to factor it in, and it's such a such a short time frame, the the work that Card you
0: know had done, like
1: monumental.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's crazy the amount of stuff that, and I mean, I I had spoken to Matthew Jason Walsh at points in the past about screenwriting and the stuff you had done with uh, Dave. He had said some days he'd get, you know, a title on a, a pitch, you know, log line on one day and be like, yeah, I need the script, you know, next week because we go into production in like 12 days or something.
1: And Talk about like, being a, a, down to the wire, right?
0: And it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, here's the title. Here's the plot. I need I need 75 pages, you know, 90 pages in like a week. Go. if you had nothing else to do with your time i'm sure it could be done but man i like
1: to think of myself as a pretty uh you know accomplished writer but i can't write that quick i i've just never been able to write quite that quick
0: and you know i to to the people that can god bless them because i I think that that would that would be i think that's a great position to be in for someone like that if you can just be a hired screenwriter that can just like bang 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 and push out stuff like that you know yeah and apparently he could you know yeah And maybe they're not always. They know that Matthew Jason Walsh hasn't always been someone who was one hundred percent proud of the films that have been made from his scripts. But you know what? You wrote scripts that got got produced. Whether it ended up being, you know, you know, for something for himself like Bloodletting, which I think is a masterpiece, or you end up with something like, you know, The Killer Eye, which probably isn't necessarily a masterpiece. But you know what? For me, I think it's pretty pretty damn entertainingly silly so
1: (laughs) oh yeah it's definitely entertaining it's silly it's just not uh this movie is just oddly paced because the 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 sex scenes i guess you could call them sex scenes the hentai killer eyeball rapey rapey scenes just go on for exceedingly long periods of time and no less (laughs) yeah in slow motion yeah yeah and and then they turn t- turn around and they use uh, a, like I feel like certain things were underutilized in here. Now, uh, uh, what's this? Oh God, what's his name? Creepy Bill, Blake Adams, <laughs> or, or yeah, or Blake Bailey. Bailey, yeah, yeah. He uh, he's he's such a great character, incredible actor. He's so he's so charismatic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, I mean, from head of the family to lurking fear, you know, he's he's great, but he's so underutilized here. And, and the fact that everybody knows him as creepy Bill is just funny as shit.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's funny because yeah, he, he's like not even a real character. He's just some weird dude who's in the building, and it's funny because it's I guess it's supposed to be like an apartment building. That's that's how you take it, correct? That's how I took it. Yeah, yeah. It's like notice no one ever comes in or out of anyone's like front door. It just feels like they all live in one giant house together. Like there's it, no. It kind of
1: feels like the Seinfeld building. Everybody just kind of comes in and out of each other's apartments.
0: You feel any sense of like exiting one person's domain and entering the other one? It's like you're just walking from like my room to your room or something, you know? Yeah. Like Rita's in the lab, and then she just goes downstairs, and there's like the two the two druggies. Uh, which which I have to say, a lot of this location was used a lot during this time period as well, this building and these rooms, because especially the room where uh, Tom and Joe stay, mm-hmm. uh, those that room was also seen in Curse of the Puppet Master. Oh, okay, okay. And poster and a lot of those, those old movie posters, that was the same location where the, the asshole character is like, like vigorously pumping iron when uh bladen tunnler kill him when tunnler drills into his
1: and that balls. was that was curse of puppet master or was that retro puppet master curse, curse. okay I, yeah. I usually
0: get those two mixed up so like he, he, he's in that same room area so yeah. a lot of this location looks very similar to even a lot of current stuff too like the the brick room where the lab and stuff is feels like a lot of the, the warehouse e-studio location that they use for a lot of current stuff too so i don't know if they're still shooting in this <laughs> location but at the time this this was used a few times by well David. it
1: kind of looks like the the location from uh don't let her in a little bit
0: It does actually feel a lot like that as well yeah yeah Kind of even like dare I say it, like I know it's not, but like kind of even reminiscent of like the loft area in deathbed.
1: Yeah, that was another one I was gonna mention. It does have a it's just that bricked in kind of building feeling feeling that you get from it,
0: which is not a common thing to find in Los Angeles either for the record. And I know that with deathbed I know that getting that location was like a big coup for them. So it's because you just those kinds of places are hard to find in in that area so because i think a lot of things are much more uh you know i'm not like fucking realtor or anything you know but it's like i feel like a lot of things are more modern than that now yeah i mean you know for
1: la yeah i bet it probably is not you know it's probably pretty
0: uh hard to find something like that doesn't really just fall off trees when you go looking for locations like that so but it was a popular place i mean if Dakota Tim, Dakota is known for being the kind of guy that if he has a location that works, he will exploit it as much as he can. And the best example I can give you of that is is like that West Hollywood mansion that he shot like 20 plus movies in in like three you know two three years. He shot like most of the 1313 films in that house and a bunch of other random things, you know. And it's like he shot in so much where to shoot what you know what was shootable, what wasn't. You know, it became almost like second nature. And he got to the point where he could roll in entire casts and crews in that house and shoot out an entire feature in like 36 hours, which is just like bonkers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When you think about the the turnaround and something like that, that's
0: just yeah, that was a popular just film location because a lot of the guys that come in for those 13 13 movies, they'd be like, man, this house looks familiar. I feel <laughs> like I'd seen for and it was usually because they saw it in porn, because it was a popular porn location as well. And
1: it <laughs> doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs>
0: and it's not to use that house for, for numerous films. Like I think it was used in like Celebrity Sex Tape and Rise of the Zombies with uh Danny Trejo, which was fascinating to see used in other people's movies because they shot in areas in the house that Dakota, Dakota never did. So but if you saw a house that you liked or a location that worked and you had it get a good in there you know like probably with this location here and kill ride just use it use it for what you can and get as much out of it out out of it as you can while you can you know exploit which you that
1: location do. for milk it for all it's worth fuck
0: it <laughs> so because this is a cool location i, I do think this, this it's one of the best things thing.
1: about the movie it's one that the location is very photographic you
0: know it's got a lot of character and photos. it's funny because some of the, the locations, too, like that, that lower level with all the, the movie posters and stuff where the guys live. And then the, the apartment where Jane and Morton live almost has kind of like a, again, I, I don't know a lot about like, you know, architectural design and whatnot. But their, their apartment area almost has sort of like an Asian vibe to it. with like some of the doors that look like almost paper windowed, if that makes sense
1: yeah 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 totally
0: so it's it's got a lot of i don't know if this was all in one location i imagine it probably was i doubt there was really much time or money to move people around from place to place so it, it has a lot of different looks and vibes especially then when you go into the lab area and it's like all this brick and order kind of shit
1: so. but like you said though it is kind of weird to, to when you think about of this location is to figure out like the logistics of it like You know, there's no hallways leading from one apartment to the the next. When they show the exterior shots, you know, it's clear that it's an apartment building. But it just all feels like one very, you know, one very big house and not an apartment building at all.
0: Yeah, it just feels like they're all living in one massive home together. And, like, maybe each person has, like, a wing or a corner of the the building that's theirs. Because it doesn't feel like it's separate apartments to me, per se.
1: No, no, it doesn't. That would would also better explain how the eyeball, you know, got from place to place so silently and so easily and being undetected and whatnot. If it was, you know, not going from one apartment to the next.
0: It helps being able to sneak into the ventilation shafts too. Like it's like, it's like one of the demonic toys or something. (laughs) (laughs) If it was that
1: small, I would buy it. If it was that small, I would buy it, but it's not. I think it's,
0: Yeah, it's way too huge to logistically fit into a ventilation shaft, but there are a few moments where it is peeking from or like sneaking in or out of a ventilation shaft, which really just makes no sense to me at all. So, because it is, this is probably one of the largest creature prop type things that Full Moon has ever employed in a film, I
1: think. Well, yeah, because let's face it, they're known for, you know, Puppet Masters and Dollman and Demonic Toys, all things that are, you know, three foot tall or yeah. less.
0: I'll go out on a limb here. Next to maybe, like, some of the sets and or p- costume prop type stuff that was built for Dollman versus the Demonic Toys, where everything needed to be jumbo-sized for that. Or, you know, like, Dragon World, where they had to have, like, a lot of the very large, like, a larger-scale dragon prop and that kind of stuff you know, or pieces like that, you know, I feel like the eye is comparable or, you know, competitively probably one of the largest props that they've ever Again, had. Again, it built.
1: Made, me, made me wonder what it cost to ship that thing whenever that uh, poor fellow got it off of eBay. It makes me, makes me wonder what the shipping cost on that was.
0: Which I will say, you know, this this was from an era, too, where they had a, a specific sort of go-to effects guy too. to the, the killer eye itself was built by... Uh, the late great mark williams who had done some uh, puppet effects for curse of the puppet master he had also designed and built the shrieker and he passed away uh, not long after these movies were made i believe from cancer as well so oh, um, so i mean he did he did do some some pretty pretty incredible but brief work for, for full moon while he was there
1: the killer eye itself is an impressive effect, It's an, or an impressive prop. It's really, I mean, not just huge, but it's very detailed, very, you know, uh, it's not very mobile, it's not very mobile or whatnot, but it, it is an impressive, uh, you know, contraption.
0: Yeah, it's certainly not like very, very mobile or or even articulate, but uh, it's just so massive, I don't think you could probably do a whole lot with it you know, yeah. just do a shot and flop the 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 tentacles at the at the base of it around you know which which i will say you know and i've said this before I'll say it again it's it's another discussion for another show but that's another reason why i think the one of many which we'll talk about another time why the sequel to this doesn't work because i think good or bad really aside from jacqueline lavelle as the always incredible, super underappreciated, incredibly charismatic lead actress in this. Because I will always praise her.
1: Oh, she's amazing in this. The she's the things, saving grace of this film.
0: Yeah, the only the only other big you know, the big the literally and figuratively star of the movie is this fucking prop. Is this massive like insane eyeball prop. And you just don't have that in the sequel. Ah. Uh. so saddled with a meta sequel that is using a killer eye replica made from the film huh. Huh. if you've not seen that no, i've
1: not i've not, not seen i've not seen the sequel i i had, this was the first time Watch this one itself was the first time watched for me so yeah i've not seen the,
0: the like second one the eyeball itself from from eyeball to tip of the the, the tentacle tendril is mm-hmm. no bigger than a Tuan puppet in the sequel. Aw. That's it's, it's sad. Fun. So it's it's a completely I'll still watch it.
1: I'll still fucking watch it. It doesn't matter to me because it's a full moon movie. Eventually I will watch it, but
0: but but based on those, like that that is a big thing to me that helps kill the sequel, is that it's like you don't have this, <laughs> you have that. <laughs> you know, no offense to uh, killer eye Halloween haunt, but it's like it's just not really the same thing It's like comparing apples to oranges. You know, yeah. It's like, it's like, oh hey, do you want John Beek or, you know, Ghoulies like from Part Two, or would you rather have Tony Cox and a rubber mask in Part Four? There's no comparison. <laughs> there's right, no, there's right. not, it's, it's silly to even try and like make the comparison, but then again, who am I? I compared this to fucking New Nightmare, so. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Hey, hey, you made that comparison, not me, man. <laughs> Did I? <laughs>
0: Hey, it made
1: sense. Oh. So, <laughs> Speaking of like of, of Props and stuff that are impressive I'm I'm going to flip this around the other way uh, Morton's uh, Little doohickey that he does To try to find The, the killer eye That puts yeah. it into a frenzy that looks like The Ghostbusters What's looks them to call like it It's like a PKE meter Yeah the PKE meter it, <laughs> it looks like the Dollar General of PKE meters Yeah it does but it, it never even says how it tracks anything. But you know, whenever it, uh, you know, he comes near anybody that's been touched in an uh, inappropriate way by that thing,
0: it just like buzzes more.
1: Yeah, yeah, it just buzzes more. It's just, it got, it's just really weird. And <laughs> I do love the part when when, it, when the eyeball does, you know what you know, infiltrate different people and kind of take them over, you know, almost like as an unwilling zombie. that when the eyeball yeah. tries talking, it's
0: it's
1: is <laughs> it's, as, it's as wooden as a daytime soap opera actor. Just yeah. you know the one part when it's like I I I, <laughs> I I just need I don't know. Between all the weird non-sciencey uh Sharknado science stuff and the fact that you know the eye transferral system, of how it can infiltrate different people, it needs a little more explaining done. It needs a little more exposition. And I'm not the type of person that needs everything spelled out for me, yeah. but maybe a little bit would be nice.
0: I'll say this: it's it's a it's a bizarrely weird enough concept, and and the idea that it can like like you said, it, it at one point it does actually uh, resurrect the the street kid briefly yeah. <laughs> when he's just standing there like oh, I eye and Rita's like trying to like make out with him and she's like I don't know <laughs> sexy hugging him or something you know trying to like giving get, them a sex hug there you go trying to get him excited which is funny too because that kid looks uh like jailbait so it, it makes it extra funny and awkward feeling to me it's funny and awkward because he looks like he's 14 yeah she looks like she's trying to like feel up her little brother or something but uh <laughs> it's so, weird you know but uh you know he does he does that and it, it it, you know, and then it like randomly. I don't know. They flash the lights at it, and it just there's the, that weird shot where it's it's there, and it sort of moves in in frame where it kind of dodges to the side, and then they just do this weird pan over where you just see the <laughs> the, the street kid, yeah, or like, yeah, like like oh, it just went in there, and then it does a cut to like the the tentacles sliding into the the thing. I'm like, man, that thing was fast, and it must can it like shrink its size to fit in there. But, like, it does some interesting stuff, like, with the way it does that, and then it it does similarly to, I think, the Joe character, where it takes over his mind and makes him... Uh, right, right,
1: because I know they're both supposed to be drug addicts and whatnot, but they didn't kind of notice that Joe was being a
0: little weird. Weirder than normal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, weirder he, than like, normal. He wanted a woman, and they warned words like, go find Rita <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, Right. And he just wanders out like, okay, like, but yeah, it, it is, it is interesting. I mean, it, it clearly has some, some weird, you know, abilities and powers that I think could have probably been, uh, played with a little more in, in a, a proper sequel, but, um, that clearly wasn't. Now, cl-
1: when, to, but without me having to look it up, uh, do you have... Uh, and I, do you know in your head at like when the sequel came out? How many years later was the sequel to this?
0: I'm gonna say the sequel was roughly maybe 11 or 12 ish. Uh, yeah, it was 11, 11. Uh, right. So I mean, it was about 12 years later. So Charles directed, so there was obviously much, much more different approach because the sequel actually does not have a single male in it. It's almost. <laughs> So the only male who appears in Killer Eye Halloween Haunt is a voice actor. Oh, okay, okay. A voice actor of a crystal ball uh, who is voiced by uh, incredible character actor Circus uh, Shalevsky, who has been in many many formula movies over the years. So, say I
1: recognize that name. I I, I can't place the you know, the, the face, okay. but I know the name.
0: Well, you've watched. All the Evil Bond films, you would know Circus Shalevsky as he is a badass doll character who is called Joe Cracker. Oh, okay. He is the redneck in the later Evil Bond sequels. He's literally billed as a redneck, not Cracker Joe. Uh, okay. He skinnier redneck because there's redneck and then redder neck.
1: <laughs> Redneck.
0: Red <her> <laughs> <laughs> that actually gets his eye gouged out by Uba Booga in 420. Uh, okay. okay, now um, I'm picturing it. He's jostle a, my numerous. memory. He's been in numerous movies. He was actually the voice of the Space Bong in Evil Bong 3D. He was uh, <laughs> he was in the flashback sequences in The Dead One Women. He played Spider, the titty bar owner, in Zombies vs. Strippers. He's been in been in a lot of films. stuff. So
1: technically, he's also been in Corona Zombies. then.
0: yeah, <laughs> he is he is legitimately he is an amazing actor. So, but but unfortunately, just voiceover really work for uh, Kill Eye, too. So, but uh, so presumably, you, because, you know Band loves you know is a lover of ladies, so he wanted to do something that was, I guess, you know, more in theme with what his interests are so he made an exclusively female more. Uh, I will say a lot,
1: lot of good-looking women and a lot of pot humor that I guess.
0: Way more lesbian centric sequel than this first one so. Well, you got to fill that niche one way or another, right? Which is which is also awkward too in retrospect too because obviously Dakota delivered a very specific product. So if you were a big fan of this movie, which I'm sure there are, you know, uh and then you watch the sequel, you're going to get something that's completely different coming from left field. Uh, you know, not that it has to be something super homoerotic, because I think this movie does have some moderate levels of uh, homoeroticism. that come oh, yeah. Uh, and Dekotu was able to get away with that here and there in moderation at Full Moon. Uh, but it had to be, I think it was kind of an unspoken situation where it had to be controlled to a degree, you know. could could be blatant, you know, you can't have guys doing anything overtly gay, you know, per se. You can have street kids show up and say, oh, you sure you just wouldn't rather fuck? You know, well, they don't fuck, they don't even touch each other. Right,
1: know? right. Um, yeah, I, well, I, um, thought, I th- kind of had the idea that the street kid, you know, for a lack of a better term, went both ways. Totally, I think totally. he, he he was this, you know, he was a street kid that knew would have done anything for money because obviously he's there. He's like, you know, he, he'd ra- he'd rather f- fuck for money, but he's also willing to like, okay, put these uh, eye drops into me with some sort of chemicals that we never, you know, he doesn't know what they are. I don't even think the doctor knows what they are because we as an audience never find out what they are.
0: And that's that's why the eye likes to go both ways as well. And that's why it has yeah. the eye has eye for. Girls and guys. So
1: there you go. Hey, I see what you did there.
0: But that's why. That's why I think if you if you were a fan of this one and you went into the sequel, you're getting a very different breed of film that will probably not appeal to you. So
1: because, like I said, I'll I'll still watch the sequel. It's this. I I don't know if this movie was even for me, but I I will watch the sequel because, as I've said multiple times, I'm a complete. As I want to see it
0: all. Totally, and I have to say too, you know, I'm always. uh, I hate. It, it can be an amusing Easter egg kind of thing when you're watching a movie, but I am always. I don't like seeing other movies played in movies all the time because sometimes.
1: Oh, I know what you're getting at here because I was going to mention it next, but go right ahead.
0: It, it doesn't play up continuity wise always, but like they're watching. The drug addicts are watching Creepazoids on the TV, and it keeps showing the shot of Linnea and Ken Abrams making out in the shower. But then. After that, it's the shot of the the demon baby thing being born at the end. And then when they come back to it again, it's Linnea and Ken in the shower.
1: Like, I I don't (laughs) mind movies playing in other movies, but at least play it with some continuity in mind. Don't don't show me the middle and then show me the end and then show me the middle again. Totally. It's kind of like in Demonic Toys when uh, the security guard is watching Puppet Master 2. But he's watching the movie for like an hour, but it's pl- it keeps playing the same scene with Charlie Spradling over and over shot again.
0: Shot with Charlie Spradling. <laughs> yeah, which really? is
1: fine. It's fine by me. You know, I mean, show me all the Charlie Spradling that you want, but like, at least, you know, make it make sense and continuity wise if somebody's like, hey, I've seen that movie. But that movie, that scene is not 45 minutes long. No, not at
0: all. <laughs> I'm sure Tsarnitsky would have preferred that scene to be 45 minutes long, but it wasn't. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, Sarnitsky. Yeah, you'd would have fucking loved that.
0: I mean, any classic full moon fan would have wanted that scene to be 45 minutes long because, I mean, Charlie Spradling. But um, yeah, exactly. was like the the, you know, a precursor to the Jacqueline Lovell of this, of this era. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was when she was pretty much the you know the. Uh... The, the
0: full moon spokeswoman for a long time. She was, yeah, and and Jacqueline Lavelle for a while. She was the she was the spokeswoman for Surrender Cinema. She was basically a, a homegrown star of Surrender and was kind of like one of their go to main stars. Uh, she hosted a kind of a video magazine release uh, that basically. Uh, discussed and showed off the ladies of full moon it was called the girls of surrender cinema and she was also spokesmodel for the uh surrender website so she, she, was, so
1: she was pretty much like that that era's charlie spradling
0: totally oh
1: well back 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 to the movie uh, so to speak uh i don't want to get too far off track here but <laughs> for a movie that's called the killer eye the second person does, the, I mean, like, we get the first death, you know, three minutes into the movie when the street urchin kid gets killed and gets his eyeball extracted. But then Joe dies, and I made a point to notice that it was about 15 to 16 minutes before the end. So we really get, you know, our first death another hour and 10 minutes, you know, into this movie. Like I said, it should have been called the, the sexy eyeball is, or the rapey eyeball as opposed to the killer eye. Because it, there's not a whole lot of killing going on. There's not, you know a couple of people don't end up dying. Like I said, until like 15 minutes before the end of the movie. And I have to say, like when they're all kind of gathering together to try to defeat the eyeball, and well, everybody except for uh, uh, Doctor Grady, because he he gets he kind of becomes one with the eyeball for a moment. He wants he wants to learn from it. He wants to you know become one with it, but. It's it's a really, I thought this is the per- period when I'm like, it was really weird timing for Rita to bring up divorce. She's like <laughs> in the middle of it. She's like, I think we ought to get a divorce. Like, really get past the idea of this killer eyeball
0: first and yep. then start thinking about divorce. All she needs to do is survive for about 10 more minutes and she'll be a happy widow. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. but. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was funny, I mean, though, because... Oh, go ahead. Picture. Go. She was just missing the big picture that they probably weren't all going to make it out of that uh, giant, quote-unquote, apartment building alive. So.
1: Yeah, if she would have just waited 10 minutes. She wouldn't even have to utter those words. Uh, exactly. I think it's funny. I can't remember who says the line. I think it was... Uh, it might have been Morton that says it uh, went... When they, they make the deal with, well, they make the deal with the eyeball and they're like, you know, you know, you can't, can't have this world, you know, go back to, to, you know, basically trying to coerce him or it to go back to their world. And the doc goes with it. He's like, bring me with you. And he dives through the porthole with the eyeball. And yep. then I think it's Morton that has the idea that says the line, the doc was lying to us. I'm like, yeah. Do you think, do you think that asshole doctor was lying to you? I mean, what was
0: the first clue? yeah it's the, the funniest weird thing to me or like a really amusing point too is, is at, at that end point when you know the doctors tried you know he tried to trick Rita by luring her away and like basically serving her up to the eyeball and then uh you know then they all come in and you know they're all keen to what he was doing um <laughs> that's when you start to witness the other there's moments where the eyeball kind of Shoots a laser beam at people and kind of like knocks them out or use them to a degree. But right, then, right. It's like, kind of like one of his superpowers. Yeah, but then the the Dave Orin Ward character just like charges in and he's like, "Will you kill my buddy Joe?" <laughs> like out of <laughs> nowhere. Uh. Uh, he just he just like charges the eyeball like ignorantly and it's just like Zop! and then they just he kind of like disappears into like a weird like flash of like bending light and then almost a
1: death by pixel pixelization kind of
0: of and then and then the other the other sadly that's when uh creepy bill uh bites the dust as well and basically gets killed the exact same way with a quick zap from the eyeball and it's like you're gone i I love (laughs) it
1: as he's dying he just kind of lets out like a whoa (laughs) as he's dying like what a trip, man! Do You expect that to come out of his mouth before he dissipates into thin air?
0: Yeah, and it was interesting too that, like, at the end, when when the doctor basically jumps, you know, I don't know, through the portal or in, into the uh, the telescope or whatever the hell it is, you know? Yeah, I, uh, well,
1: I used the term
0: I used the term portal, but I used it uh, you know very very loosely. Yeah, well, you see that you see that peek through the window in into the world, and it's like it was just there was like a bunch of eyeballs in there, and they were they were. At the base of like, uh, like a like pyramid. A big, yeah, like a big pyramid. I called that the la- the last shot is kind of like
1: <clears throat> like a phantasm shot, like a look into the phantasm world. there was this eyeballs leading up to that pyramid. it was kind of like looking into the the you know the phantasm, the tall man's red planet and that's where the like the similarities <laughs> they fucking end right there, you know
0: and it's sad because honestly as as silly and maybe not delivering as what this movie does on some points, I mean, there are some interesting concepts and moments that actually, I think, lay groundwork for interesting future uh, adventures that just didn't really get, get, you know, plowed. Yeah, I, th- I so, think
1: there was a lot of great ideas here. There were just not conceptualized very well. They weren't, you know, expanded upon. I think it could have maybe in a properly done sequel could have been expanded uh, a a little bit better, but you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, uh, yeah, it was just, it it felt like it was a movie that was very rushed and was very threadbare. And really that last shot, you know, one of the last shot uh, when, you know, they go through the porthole into the telescope or whatever, you (laughs) you know, like I said, I'm using the term porthole loosely. It is very phantasm like, and it's, that, that could have been, a you know, uh, an interesting leaping point, you know, that could have been a, a leaping point, you know, for midway through the movie to have an interesting shot like that. But it just uh, it felt like it was uh, like just not conceptualized very well. But it's, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead.
0: Uh, it's just weird that, you know, because they did a sequel, but it's a meta sequel. It doesn't really happen within the same continuity per se as this one. So if they ever wanted to, they could make a real sequel. But. That would probably never happen. So, Nah,
1: I can't see it. I can't see it happening. There's so many movies that I think deserve sequels and could have sequels to them that are almost ready-made for it that don't get made. I can't see them making a sequel to this. But, you know, when it comes to Full Moon, you never say never.
0: But then again, I'll say this. Yeah, never say never. Because, honestly, back when the Deadly Ten information dropped, if you would have told me when that that event was going to, Happen, and you told me that there was going to be a femaleian sequel in that lot of films, or even a Necropolis Two. Like I would have never believed you. <laughs> so because I, I,
1: I st- and I still don't believe that uh, uh, subspecies five is ever going to happen. I, I I I love the idea, and I am fully one hundred and ten percent endorsing that. But I just. I hope it happens. I hope they're not just uh, shitting us, but bullshitting I, us. But you know, I
0: can firm. I I believe that it will happen. I think that it was ready to happen, and then COVID hit, unfortunately. Well, so yeah, yeah, uh, but they rock, locked and ready to ready to go. But then all that happened, and it just sort of squandered any real future plans. That's why a lot of the the newer output has been streamlined and. Specifically fashioned in, you know.
1: I hope it happens more than anything. I want a, a subspecies sequel about as bad as I want a true transfer sequel. Yep. But uh, you know, and I, if you're listening, Charlie, please give us a transfer sequel with the real Jack Death. I'm not okay. begging. I'm not begging, but yeah, I am begging. I'll beg. I'll beg if I have to.
0: <laughs> You'll be more likely to get subspecies five than you ever will transfer seven. Sadly, so.
1: I did have my wife ask me one time if I could, uh, fund any kind of movie. If I had a, if I won the lottery and had an unlimited budget, you know, what movie would I, uh, want to, to finance? I go, well, I go, i ha- I can't choose one, so I'll have to choose two. I would either make a true escape from New York third chapter with snake plus escaping earth, or I would do a real, a, a trance, a real transfer six with Tim Thomerson if I, if I, if I may, if I had a million dollars, I, I would totally finance that film Yeah, without a doubt. Cause you know, we got to say our man, Jack death and one more, it's, we got it's, to.
0: It's probably not. I mean, it's not something that I think would ever be on their radar to really probably rush to make. But, but again, like you said, never say never. I mean, for per- perspective, you know, we did have female two came out in 98 we had the quote-unquote fake kind of uh, patchwork stock footage sequel assembled called g Seduction of the Species, that was released in 17. But we actually got a bona fide, like, original content, like, real sequel in, like, uh 20. So, I mean, 22 years later, we actually got a sequel <laughs> to that franchise. So... That's why I
1: say when it comes to Full Moon, you never say never, because if, if yeah. there's... Money to be made, they will make that fucking movie. I guarantee it.
0: I mean, Necropolis was made in like, like I don't even remember, like the mid '80s or some shit. It was made in like '86, and then the sequel came out in '19. So I mean, that was thirty-two years. Yeah, it could happen. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to hold my
1: breath, but I will wait with bated breath for it.
0: Yep. So I mean, anything is, you know, <laughs> is possible. It's just a matter of, you know making it happen so
1: all right so one of us needs to hit the lottery is what we need to do (laughs) that's the problem here or rob a bank not that i'm endorsing robbing the bank but you know hey if you know anybody that can pull us pull off an ocean 11 style heist
0: you know give us a call (laughs) i know i know a hefty hefty list of full moon movies to put on the slate if there we go so
1: That being said, we've uh, already uh, talked about this movie from beginning to end. We summed up the last bit because, uh, well, really, the the last kind of phantasm shot was the last uh, bit that we get, except for when they say it's all over. But (laughs) is it it really?
0: Already ending where the the ladies seem to have a fastly progressed potential pregnancy issue. (laughs) Yeah, when they
1: they both simultaneously just start rubbing their tummies and you know, baiting us for a sequel that, you know, we would get 20-some-odd years later, but uh, from what you've said is more of a meta-sequel, so I'm sure they don't do anything with that. But, you know, fun. with that being said, let's go ahead and give our final thoughts and ratings on this sucker. And you know how we do things around here, uh, rating on a scale from 1 to 10, if you will.
0: So, you know, Killer Eye is, uh, it's not a perfect movie by any standard, but I think that, visually it's it's got a it's got an interesting visual palette to it. I like the cast a lot. Even the actors who might not seem like they're delivering uh, as much as should be expected. I think the cast is all pretty solid. I think it has probably one of Dakota's best looking casts as well. Uh I'd I'd agree with that. And you know it's the one and only time he worked with Jacqueline Lavelle. Uh, I wish they had done more movies together because I think they were a really good team on this movie. You know, she she's great in this movie, honestly. Like she Jacqueline Lavelle does not know how to Yeah, I haven't seen her uh give a bad performance as of yet. Not at all. She she is always, even if the movie is garbage, she is always fantastic. And she is she is the star of this movie literally and figuratively and the only the only real thing that can challenge her is that damn eyeball prop because the eyeball prop by mark williams is incredible too it looks so fucking cool like that that thing to me if that were if there were a prop that i would want to own it would be like a challenge between like do i want that or do i want like the driller killers power drill guitar you know what i mean it's like just these insane props that are just hard to believe that they actually exist
1: you know yeah, and you can imagine the time and the painstaking detail and work that went into making that thing.
0: Exactly, and I so I do think that it's it's an amazing prop. I think it's I think it's definitely a a great uh, creature in the rogues gallery of full moon creature creature monsters. Uh, it came out in a period for me that I actually look back on very fondly. Uh, As a teenager into young adulthood uh, with these late 90s, early 2000s era, you know, as again, as I would refer to as the everything directed by David Dakota era. uh, Those are these are the movies genuinely that like taught me to love Dave's work. And I said, Lavelle rocks it. I think Blake Bailey's really great in it. Another again really underappreciated uh underutilized actor honestly because he only ever did three movies for a full moon i don't know if he ever did anything else outside of that i, know. I know he has
1: but i can't remember what exactly i know he's done some uh, you know a little bit of extensive tv work but nothing that i myself personally is, have ever seen because yeah. so, yeah. I, I i remember looking at his imdb and seeing that he had been on justified and burn notice but i'm just like i don't recall who he played in those movies
0: baffling to uh to behold that's like that's like a few weeks ago me seeing larnell from evil bong and like some tv commercial i was like holy crap <laughs> you know so like I can, it's I
1: really just, funny because i just saw a uh, bachman in a like a nissan or a mitsubishi commercial i'm like i had to pause it on the DVR. i'm like oh shit that's bachman
0: yeah that's so baffling to just like digest to me but like you know he he's so like Blake Bailey is so good in this movie and it's funny because of the three movies he did for Full Moon, the classiest movie he did is the one that I think probably has his like least enthralling performance being in Lurking Fear. <laughs>
1: so... Yeah, it's more of a straightforward you know by the letters kind of performance where he's not being kind of he, he's not being quirky or weird. He's being more
0: straightforward. Yep. And and you know that a cast can go a long way with Me Too, especially with you know, we have had obviously the the late Dave Warren Ward, who didn't really have a lot of range, but he, he had a lot of charisma, so he was always fun to watch. And even the street kid, honestly, might not realize it, but he did three movies. They were all for Dave and they were all for the movies. And ironically, he he had generic names in all of them because he was street kid in this. He was party goer in Micro mini kids, and he was friend in uh, alien arsenal
1: so <laughs> so, so he, yeah yeah <laughs> not, not even specific names for his characters is very I mean, generic
0: movie. but like i i like the cast in this movie and it, it just the weird vibe of you know i guess in retrospect it's sort of a rapey vibe like i said but it's it's all very in good fun and everyone's in on the joke, the, the girls and the guys, and the guys are obviously just as willing to be made asses of and be exploited as well. So, which which I find amusing. The the score too, I have to say. We didn't mention the score. I think the score mm-hmm. is really amazing by Carl Dante.
1: Did the, the score is pretty good. It yeah. is pretty good. It's very yeah. theatric.
0: Yeah. So looking back on it honestly, I this will compare for me the same way that I had mentioned that I needed to rate like say Ginger Dead Man when we reviewed Ginger Dead Man. Mm-hmm. The, Ginger Dead Man yeah he's considered one of those powerful top tier rogues gallery of full moon villains but is he Andre Toulon? Is he like Radu? No. Like his movies yeah. aren't as polished. Not to say they're worse but they're they're different kind of full moon movie and i feel like killer eye is a different kind of full moon movie than it does belong to the uh erotic sexy kind of vibe and it it, but not to the nth degree of say a surrender cinema film so i feel like it has to be graded sort of on a curve more uh, for me because for me i love it and like i said it's a product of that era so i'm gonna come out really high on it because i enjoy watching this movie i think it's really it's really fucking stupid but it's
1: really <laughs> fun yeah i would um, agree i was just gonna say it, it, it is a lot of fun
0: and these conversations like this you know and over almost over analyzing like topics and details in some of these movies make me like them even more truthfully uh I want, I almost want to rate it higher, but it's, I'm still going to rate it really high. For me, I think it's, It's. I would truthfully feel free to let your jaw hit the floor. I would give it an eight. An
1: eight? Yeah. That kind of surprises me a little bit.
0: I think uh, it's fun. It's like I said, it's really stupid, but it knows it's stupid. It's not pretending to be like, you know, fucking Schindler's List. And, you know, we certainly don't have fucking Olivier in this movie, but like, it's a I, for me at least, I think it's a really fun movie. And like I said, I'm probably a little biased because I I really grew up in that era of this this stuff and it just I think it hits me a little different than the average full moon viewer.
1: Well, I'm probably coming in a little higher th- than you ex- you're expecting. I'm coming in a little lower than you. I, I'm giving it a six. Because I feel like anything below a five, I can't recommend. You know, if it's 4.5 or lower, I can't recommend it. I would still recommend this to, you know, the the most dedicated full moon fan. And to even the, you know, even an, in a passing kind of full moon fan. Because it is an oddity. You know, I mean, a big time oddity. But it's very... uh this is very strange. This is very oddly paced. If you, if you like hentai, I guess uh, this would be your thing, <laughs> but uh, it's just, you know, I felt like it could have been conceptualized a little bit better. It could have been tightened up and give us a little bit more, it's just a little bit more, oomph. you know, a little bit more, more of what the killer eyeball was. Cause it never was really very clear what the eyeball, what, you know, what the killer eye was there for other than it was from the eighth dimension. It would have just had a little, you know, like if I, I would say if it would just had a little bit more uh, work done on the script and then, you know, <laughs> expanded a little bit more, it could have, it could have, it could have made that level from a good movie to a great movie, if that makes sense.
0: One out of our three credited screenwriters on this movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You would have thought with three credited screenwriters that they would have maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, filled in some of those little plot holes but
0: i'll say nah. this when you maybe to the average movie goer that just feels like an insane amount of people to write a movie but doing you know having worked in film and you yourself have worked in film you know that when you see that many names on a script it's probably because Writer one wrote the fucking script, and then it got gave to writer number two, and then they did a polish, and then it got passed to writer number three who did a final polish or something, you know, they and they contributed enough content or changes to the script that they merited, uh, probably getting a, an on-screen credit um, as per the Writer's Guild, you know, right. so... Right. They, they rewrote uh, enough to, to get their credit on board. <laughs> But still, you know, like I said, uh, you
1: know, I know I kind of, uh, I kind of pooped on the movie just a little bit, you know, I kind of gave it a hard time, but I still liked it. But it, you know, for me, it's just a good movie, not a great movie, if that makes sense.
0: I but, truthfully, yeah. I have to rethink my because I almost gave it a nine, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick firm with my eight just because I don't. Like I said it's really fucking dumb, but I love it. It's just like. It's just like uh, it's movie junk food, which I guess is appropriate for pulp fantasy. It's just like pulpy entertainment. It's not trying to be anything fancy or classy. It's silly, maybe a little trashy. <laughs> little, uh, by little by little, but you mean a lot. <laughs> a lot. A lot trashy, but uh, but in a fun way, though. It's not like you know. And yeah, I say this It's with not mean
1: spirited. Love- it's not a mean spirited
0: movie. It's fun. It's- yeah, I say this with love. Like I, you know, it's not, it's not sleazy, trashy. Like, like I, I, you know, I live in, I live on the the Gulf Coast in Florida, and I mean that area, especially for horror, is known for the sl- the sleazy underground kind of horror, and you know, and I know you know what I mean by that. Uh, oh yeah,
1: I know exactly what you mean.
0: Isn't comparable to that, I think, because this still has a very uh people might challenge me on this this term but a very polished feel to it where it it's designed to look and feel a bit prettier and more uh mass marketable consumer yeah, uh, just a little bit more uh, slick a little more slick than all, most these are very pretty and sexy the guys all look like you know fancy underwear models you know and it's it's racy but it's not, it's nowhere near pornographic. Yeah, so, it's not,
1: it's it's racy, it's a little dirty, but it's not, you know, I'm using air quotes here that you can't see, but it's not filthy. Totally,
0: that makes totally. Sense. And when it is dirty, it still is like a playful dirty because it's, you know, you, we aren't even seeing anything super, super dirty, you know? Probably the dirtiest thing, no offense to the actresses, is like when she does the shower scene and you see the, the frontal nudity on Nanette, Nanette, Bianchi, or I think was her name. Uh, yes, that's like the is. raciest. Watching a girl kind of writhe around and hold a phallic tentacle is so blase to me at, the, at this point. I mean, we, hentai is, <laughs> you know, like tentacle porn stuff it existed for ages now at this point, it feels like. You know, so I remember... <laughs> right. that in Connecticut and listening to the film crew talk about some kind of Asian fetish porn where the girls put eel, live eels into their places. And oh. I'm like, but that's like bestiality. Like, like, "Yeah, well, it's not America." Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not for
0: me. <laughs> I guess, but I'm like, you know, we're living in a world where that shit was commonplace 12 13 years ago so it's like this is like this is light <laughs>
1: so <laughs> yeah it's, it's very much a pg-13 version of, of hentai
0: Can see that tentacle move much beyond just between the movies. it might like kind of tap a nipple
1: <laughs> briefly and, yeah if the actor guides it that way <laughs> you That's, know
0: you might get that, like, little, you know, that, like, I love electricity effects. You might get that little, like, zzz, where it kind of, like, electrically zaps the, the nip for a brief moment. But it's, like, that's it. Even when Lovell was, like, quote-unquote, gonna, like, I don't know, screw Joe while Dave Warren Ward sits back and, I guess, thinks about maybe masturbating while he watches. He never even gets that far, and Joe just kind of... Makes out with her belly until he's worn out, and then wants to take a nap.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, he just kind of kisses her body a couple of times until he's like,
0: "Yeah, I'm spent. I'm, I'm tired." All very, very light, but I think it, it, it's light enough that I feel like it's not, it's not near as uh, edgy or offensive as a lot of other stuff, including a lot of other full moon stuff. It's very light uh, in comparison to some stuff. So I, I, I think agree. I agree fun you know homeless pumping, no, not, you know. but
1: but now I'm gonna have to watch the the second one just the way you described it it seems like such a train wreck and I'm I'm all there for the wreck I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to check it out you know
0: oh, even uh, I won't look forward to that
1: <laughs> well we won't review but, uh, that one for a while I got a bunch of others on, on my short list that I want to do before that so we'll hold that one off for a while but because we have you know what about the three hundred and some odd movies that we can, uh, you know, close to three hundred and fifty that we can probably review before that? Give or take. <laughs> take, yeah.
0: Give or take.
1: <laughs> but that being said, do you have anything you want to plug before we sign off for the evening? Anything new you got coming
0: up? Uh, you know, not a whole lot. I've been trying to get back into writing again, uh, so I've got a couple couple things I need to get get. Cracking on as far as screenwriting is concerned, uh, but more so than anything, I've just been trying to uh, COVID, and you know the whole state of things has kind of put a put a damper on you know me getting my distribution uh, situation set up as far as C-word, Productions DVD. So I'm trying to iron out some of the final details there, so I can start uh, getting some of the movies that I have the rights to uh release. yeah i saw
1: your post about that er- earlier today that has me excited
0: yeah like the evil curiosity will be our first one which was directed by Lynn sorella in los angeles that stars brink stevens and uh, there'll be a couple other things i'll have my own release of uh, sebastian goodman's slime Lids. i'm going to be doing the first ever domestic dvd release of kyle robert shorter's very under canadian slasher out for blood um uh, I, I love some other- a good slasher i love yeah. a good slasher this is a very down and dirty very very violent underground canadian film <laughs> so and uh you know i have some of my own stuff some lost you know quote-unquote lost films that i made years ago that are going to come out finally like uh for nicole's sake starring um uh, kathy Weinkoop and joel and nicole theory um, Stuff like that, a, a, a found footage thing I made myself, kind of under the radar, called Parlor. So there's a, a lot of things there. I'm trying to get ironed out and start rolling a lot of those titles out over the, the year. So,
1: all right, staying busy. Busy is always good, especially in the time of COVID. You know, you know, it's easy to kind of get a little lethargic and fall behind on stuff. But it seems like you're you're trying to make way as best you can. So I'm, I'm looking I'm, forward to it.
0: Thank you. I'm trying. One other thing I've been trying to do, and I've been doing it for a few years, but I'd like to do it more is is I want to try and get out there more and uh, do more conventions and make more appearances and all that kind of stuff. So... Hey, maybe okay. one of these days, since we've known
1: each other for, oh, about what, 13, 14 years, maybe we'll actually meet one day.
0: <laughs> you never know. You never know. If you come back down here for a movie, get me on set.
1: I'll come I, and- I will try. You know, I'll try to get you in on, uh, you know, I'll, we'll be down there sometime in June, you know, near Tallahassee. I don't know how close that is to you, but maybe we wow. can get you in on that one
0: not close but that's not necessarily unrealistic either so i know i will be at tampa bay screams uh the second weekend of june so but uh,
1: we'll we'll see what we can maybe if anything i can come out for a visit for a day and we can go to grindhouse video or something like that (laughs) now now you mean viper video (laughs) was it viper video now
0: Viper, yeah. Mike Sandlin closed up his his version of what was Grindhouse video, and it has been reopened uh, by Shelby McIntyre, uh, who is a local filmmaker in Tampa. He's worked on some sleeve box stuff. He actually used to have his own distribution company called Cult Movie Mania, uh, and he's directed some films. Uh, he has one coming out at some point. He's the director of a movie called. Bigfoot mob boss. You know, I have you know, heard that. of
1: that. I have heard <laughs> of that title. I don't know much about it, but I have heard of that.
0: But He is uh, as the as the papers down here and online presses has, has dubbed. He is a legally blind filmmaker who has opened up a movie shop. So he opened up the old uh, Grindhouse Video location as a as a new store called Viper Video. But they basically specialize in the same thing. You know, they sell movies. They get a lot of the newer titles, in that are from you know a lot of the boutique companies like Arrow and Screen Factory, Vinegar Syndrome, yada yada yada. So you can walk right in there and buy them right off the shelf. So and Shelby's a great guy. Uh, you can find a couple of my movies there. He actually carries some of my inventory there as well. So uh, great guy. Yeah. So any anytime you're in Florida in the Tampa Bay area. Or anyone that hears this that is in the Tampa Bay area, you should definitely look up uh, Viper Video in Tampa. Uh,
1: we'll do, we'll do. I didn't know it had made the the change of hands, but it's uh, it's good to hear that at least it's still continuing, still continuing yeah. on in some form.
0: Well, that's awesome. vibe, vibe a lot, yeah. And it's it like I said, it's it's a good good place run by a good guy, so it deserves the support.
1: Well, you know, maybe I'll, I'll if I can, if I can swing it, I'll uh, swing out that way, and uh, you know, stop by for a visit, and we can peruse Viper video sometime in June.
0: There you go. I'm not, you, I'm not
1: sure when we're shooting in June. I just know it's in June sometime.
0: <laughs> you do. You should, uh, you know, talk to communicate with Shelby, and maybe he, he will uh, carry some of your titles in there as well. Yeah, yeah. I have a
1: meet up with him in person. I can. I'll definitely talk some shop with him. I let him carry my stuff.
0: You've <laughs> got stuff to move. <laughs>
1: yep, right on, right on. Well, thank you again, Dustin, for giving me a couple hours out of out of your evening. I know uh, is always uh, you know it's kind of hard to get our schedules d- to mesh sometimes, but uh, now that we're past uh, Vincent Price Appreciation Month, we can uh, start doing these a little more regular, and we'll talk about some more balloon titles that we'll cover here in the near future.
0: Yeah, when is full moon appreciation month?
1: <laughs> oh, it's every month. That's every month. That's why we have a, full, a straight up full moon show because you know we can't relegate that or delegate that to just or uh, to just one month. That's got to be every month, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, again, thanks for, for joining me for, you know, a, another evening of full moon schlockiness. And, uh, folks, thank you, as always, for listening. This has been Howling at the Full Moon on Cinema Degeneration. Maybe they dissolved it? Oh, and
0: that's your big break. No, that's not my big breakthrough. Look, Morton, something happened in
1: that lab, okay? And I had to step out for a while, so I, I, I wasn't able to see what happened but the scopes show that there was a definite flux in that dimensional
0: wall when the kid looked through the eyepiece. I mean, a big flux. Wow. What oh, Jesus Christ. Lord. Oh, did I scare Yeah, you did scare me. You know, it's funny how when
1: you just walk up to an alley, you don't sort of expect to find someone there waiting for you.